What's going on, y'all? Welcome to Locked on Nuggets. This is your host, Swiper, and I have a very, very special guest here with us today. And, uh, you know, this is Locked on Nuggets. We are the Denver Nuggets basketball community, but we most importantly are an international basketball community. And uh, Miroslav has been one of the best, one of the biggest, and one of the brightest voices uh, on NBA content as a whole and one of my favorite people to get to know uh, really the last three years. So, Miroslav, I'm very happy that you're here. Obviously sad underneath the circumstances, but deep respect and appreciation for you and all that you do. And so thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you for the kind words, Swipe. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, you know, uh, yesterday we received uh, the unfortunate news that um, the assistant coach uh, for the Golden State, uh, Dayon, he passed away and you know, I know you can share with us some of the details around it, but, you know, he was a really, really big figure uh, in basketball and not just in the NBA, but obviously international. And and hearing Steve Kerr talk about him and the impact that he had on the team and, you know, even Mike Brown uh, for the Sacramento Kings and the words that he expressed about him and the impact that he had on him as a coach, but also as a person. Um, can you kind of give us some insight for what you heard about what happened and then even, you know, the initial a reaction that you had when you heard that that Decky had passed? Yeah, well, Decky has a lot of friends uh, all around the world, and uh, I, I'm not sure who was who was the leak, if I if I can use that ugly word uh, for the whole thing. But but uh, we learned uh, about uh, him having a heart attack uh, really early. I mean, it's it's hard to speculate. You have guys like Dario Saric who is playing at Golden State, who is, you know, a Serbian-speaking guy from Croatia, and he could have, you know, passed the information to somebody, maybe somebody else from the staff, because Dan's close friends informed us about uh, um, the severity of his uh, stage really, really, really early, and we could have heard uh, from some uh, basketball people in Serbia uh, praying for his uh, recovery, and you know that sounded really scary because you know when you have somebody has a heart attack, it doesn't have to be a, a a super serious thing. Of course, it's a serious thing, but you know you have people having multiple heart attacks and surviving them. But this was a this was a a, a really strong one, and then of course uh, we found out uh, when when he actually died yeah. uh, yesterday, and and it was just a, a, a incredible day of mourning uh, for for him. For him, from the whole nation of Serbia, and of course, especially the the sports loving part of of uh, of uh, Serbian, and not only Serbian uh, uh, public. I I've heard from different uh, parts of former Yugoslavia in Europe, and you could have heard all of those uh, uh, amazing condolences from from uh, uh, all all uh, sides of the world, and especially in the NBA. The NBA really paid uh, their respects, and and many different franchises. Did as well right. yeah and i think you know initially when i heard about it you know i didn't even realize uh, miroslav that it was like you know i heard about the heart attack but it was literally it was at dinner uh when they were in utah and it was with the whole team around and uh you know obviously everybody you know myself especially you know was praying that he would just have recovery and and everything else because i like you have known people that have had heart attacks before but then the next day when the announcement came out and i think what what this for me in particular, Amir Slav, is that like 
Jokic obviously has introduced us to another part of the world for us in Denver and for many of us in America. I've never been to Europe. I've never had the pleasure yet of going to Europe. I've had plans now to go for quite some time. And I think some of this is, you know, we have, and I have a real connection now to the country because I mean, a lot of my support since I've started this platform has been from Serbia and there's so many people that are so uh, welcoming and, and kind and that have given their time and their energy to, you know, even helping me get where I am. And then let alone, like, you know, we're watching one of the best players of all time come from this country. And I think Decky has such a tremendous legacy attached, not just to Jokic individually, but just even Serbian basketball. And then now in the U S I mean, he, when you hear Darko, talk about him, uh, the head coach for the Toronto Raptors, when you hear Mike Brown talk about him, when you hear, uh, obviously, you know, Steve Kerr last year, I had a video going around about what Decky meant. And on top of that is like even Kaban Looney, you know, sharing about the impact that he's had on this life as a basketball player. And, and Miroslav, what I, what I love about sports and what makes sports so great is it's such a connector because it all, it humanizes all of us and we all, come from different walks of life, but it, it we all have something that we take away, something that means something to us in the game. And I think when you have someone like this, who's a giant and a seemingly a wonderful person, who's a father and who's a husband as well. And when they pass, it, it, this is, it reminds me of, of what happened even when Kobe passed uh, in 2020, just like, it was just so sudden. and You don't really know how to reconcile with it. So it really shook me. And I just couldn't imagine, obviously, how it affected the people that actually got a chance to know him. So, um, obviously, you know, my condolences go out to him and his family and obviously to the entire nation and everyone that is affected by this because he seemed like he was really, truly a, a special person. You, you mentioned him being a family person. And one interesting story for me and a parallel I make between uh, Deki and, and Nikola Jokic is uh, you probably remember the story about Nikola coming to Denver eagerly, not because he thought the NBA is the best, best path for his career. It was because his wife today and girlfriend back in the day, Natalia, went to 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 America to to study to to go to university, and he wanted to be closer to her. To, so he didn't. Uh, wait a, a minute to think about if he would go to Denver or not. It was just uh, something he needed to do to, to stay close to Natalia. And it's, it's a similar thing with, with Deki because, you know, in Europe, when you're a head coach and you're a well-known head coach, going to America to become an assistant is not really considered like an upgrade in your career. You know, I mean... Mm. They, there have been some really great European coaches like Ettore Messina uh, that came to, to the NBA to become the assistant coaches and they didn't mind that because they expanded their views a lot. But what Deck did here, and I'm just reading the tea leaves, I'm just connecting the stories. His son, Nicola, went to, to the States uh, to play basketball at the University of Hawaii. And I believe Decky really wanted to to be closer to his mm. son. So that might have been one of the reasons why he took that that role in Golden State's uh, you know uh, coach coaching team and and you know 
staying close to to his son i've seen the the message from his son about yeah. dan uh yesterday it was it was really um it was really um a hard thing to see and all my condolences to his family who is of course having the the worst possible right. time right now do you think um you know when you when you heard about this could you maybe just even paint like why he is such beyond the obvious uh even to you personally why do you think that Deki was such a beloved figure in Serbia like what what do you think that it was about him that made him so well liked uh, amongst the entire community yeah well first of all when he was a player and i'm talking about the period from 98 to let's say 2009 um he was mostly beloved by partisan belgrade uh, fans because he had two amazing seasons with partisan belgrade he couldn't stay there longer because he was too good of a player not to go abroad after playing for partisan but i i mentioned this before he he was like like bruce brown to denver only one season there and then become a legend forever decky was like that but decky was a a true uh, fan of partisan belgrade so he stayed close to to the fans even after he left and he actually returned to partisan at uh, at the very uh, end of his playing career for a short time because he was injured he couldn't play there but back in that time he was mostly uh, beloved by partisan belgrade fans and he was very well respected by the other fan bases because he never did anything you know uh, uh, for any other fan base to not to like him uh, because of it you know you have those antics from nba players we know how much we we i mean we don't really hate anybody you know it's it's the sports hate sure. but not not even that you you never could have heard that about decky and then after his playing career uh when when the the times changed and all the new media appeared you could have heard decky more often than what uh, you could have heard uh, while he was playing and everybody got the insight to, to how great of a person he was and you also could have heard from his families uh, from his friends and his uh, close ones what kind of a, an amazing person he was and of course that that uh, that amplifies the, the the sense of mourning the national uh, the nation of serbia is is feeling about his departure yeah well, y'all, uh, we'll be back in segment two to talk some more uh, about Deki's impact and what this means, uh, even just for uh, Serbia and even just for the NBA. I mean, so many players, so many coaches, uh, so many people, fans, media uh, that have been touched by this. Um, so we'll be back to talk about this and more in segment two. So, y'all, as y'all know, uh, Prize Picks is the place to be. It is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the easiest and most exciting way to play Danny's daily fantasy sport. It's you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than a two to six player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in. Prospect even offers a reboot policy that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, the player is rebooted. Prize Pick is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance 
policy. And PrizePick now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this basketball season as well. So go to prizepick.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit matchup to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA. First deposit matchup. We'll be right back here. Locked on notes. So we are back for segment two. Again, this is your host, Swiper. Thank you all so much for being here today with the friend, the homie, basketball savant, Miroslav. And uh, we are remembering the life uh, of Dehan, and he is just such a well-beloved figure and no one better than I know um, to be able to talk about this with uh, than Miroslav. And Miroslav, we were talking about his impact on – just the NBA as a whole and what might have brought him over here, his son um, playing sports and everything. And then even just kind of similarly with Jokic when Natalia came over to play and just the impact that that has had when you, as far as your knowledge, he coached Jokic when he was in Serbia with Mega. I mean, this goes back years. I mean, he's a part of the reason why he is who he is to this day. And as you know, coaches don't just play a part in your life in development as a player. They, play a part in your development as a person, as a human being. What do you, when you think about the relationship that they had and the impact that, that Decky even had on Joker in particular, uh, what are some of the things that, that you even know about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, Nicola came to, to mega basket really young. He was playing one professional season before that in, in Vojvodina Novi Sad. And he was already uh, putting some, some uh, great numbers over there uh, playing against you know guys that were uh, uh, much older than him but when he came to to mega the only knock on him was that he was out of playing shape he wasn't uh, in a shape to play a serious serious professional basketball so what dan had nicola do back in the day was you know doing a lot of uh, physical drills but he was also uh, uh, taking care of uh, Nicola, not getting bored with that, because if you only, you know, uh, uh, put uh, the weights up and don't play actual basketball, that that's that's really hard thing to do, especially for Nicola, who who was a guy that was giving up on basketball like a couple of times during his career, right. because he was like, yeah, this is cool, but I don't have to do this. I have other in- interests in my life, so. I'm, I think that Dan was the perfect kind of coach, the, the body type of coach to, to all his players, but especially to Nicola, to keep him engaged. Uh, in those tough years, I'm, I'm sure that those were probably Nicola's uh, most difficult years of his career when he was starting to transfer his body into, into a real professional athlete. And there's this uh, anecdote from Mishko Rajnatovic, his agent and also owner of Mega Basket. He brought Nikola to the team and then immediately told, told Mishko that this guy is going to be our starter and one of our best players mm. very soon. And Mishko was like, come on, man, he's a project. We need him like to play in Mega for four years if we have a chance to, to get him to, to a real serious professional level. And of course, Deki was right. Deki, on the other hand, was never uh, uh, saying that he was some kind of a prophet. He always said, I knew who would be 
great. I had no idea he could be one of the best players in the NBA. I always knew he could play in the NBA, but I had no idea that he would have a real role uh, over there. And what's more interesting, if and Deki had a lot of interviews with uh, different kind of media, especially in Serbia, but also in, in the US. And when when somebody would ask him, okay, you made Nikola Jokic what he is today. He was always, you know, a guy that would say, coaches don't make players. Coaches can help players wow. become the best versions of themselves, but players make them themselves. We are just trying to help them there. And one more interesting detail, he actually said, and this was the interview he did like li literally 10 days ago, on a podcast in Serbia, he said, yeah, I worked with Nikola for two, two and a half years in Mega, and I helped him become a player that can play in Denver. But then he came to Denver, and and now he's working with August Stojakovic, and people need to know how much August Stojakovic is influences, influencing uh, Nikola's game. And it's not only the technique, it's not only the details, you know, the moves, it's also the psychological part of of coaching guys. He he is a, a guy that's that's in in Nicola's ear for all these nine years, and and mm -hmm. and Dan always. I mean, Dan said that that he believes that the impact of August Oyakovic is is so great and so understated by by everybody. And of yeah. course, he mentioned the, the whole uh, coaching staff of Michael Malone and the way Denver gave the right role to Nikola, yeah. which was a big thing for him. Yeah. But but he he wanted uh Augie's name to be there out there as as Nicolas, you know, one of the biggest guys in Nicolas' career. Well I guess even to kind of as we tie in uh segment two, when you think about the legacy that Deki is leaving with us and leaving with Serbia and I think of all of the Serbian and just not even just but even just the Balkan community but just how many people are here in the states when you think about his legacy what do you think should be or could be some of the biggest takeaways uh, about him as a person and him as a coach that uh, as we move forward together as a community as we're mourning and then as we're trying to find a way to live life in this new reality what do you think some of our biggest takeaways should be yeah well first of all serbia will always mostly remember deki as an amazing basketball player you know a guy that won two gold medals for yugoslavia one when he was a young guy uh, on the under 22 european championship when he won gold medal together with marko jaric for instance and then in 2001 when he won uh, with the, the senior team the the Eurobasket that was one of the most uh, uh, impressive wins in Eurobasket history. Yugoslavia was beating everybody by 20, 20 points on average. It was like close to dream team in '92, like the dominance they they showed in two thousand and one Eurobasket. And those are the things that most of the uh, let's say uh, regular people um, will remember him for. Uh, the other part, his coaching part in Serbia, is not so much um, um, uh, stated as his playing career because he was a coach in Mega Basket, and Mega Basket is not your uh, typical 
a basketball club in Serbia or in Europe because it is not a club that competes for the for the championships. It's a club that's that's a farm of players, and the, the sole purpose of this club is to produce great players that will move on and and become even greater when they leave Mega. So he didn't have a lot of trophies to his name mm-hmm. uh, as, as a coach, but uh, one thing. Uh, we, we discovered today is that uh, basketball arena where Mega Basket plays and, and trains called the Basketball Factory will be known uh, as uh, Dan Milojevic Arena uh, from yeah. tomorrow or something like that. So so that that's the kind of impact you can see there. And I'm really happy to see uh, his imprint in the in the NBA coaching community. It's a small group of people everybody knows everybody and when you hear such great kind words from from great people like like mike brown like steve kerr like darko rakovic then then you can you can feel how how big of an impact he he uh, made among his peers in the time of his playing days but also in his coaching uh days that came up later yeah. Well, you know, Miroslav, I just even appreciate you being able to kind of embody uh, some of these great qualities of who he was and the impact that he had on the basketball. And I think the general community feel uh, around Decky and just what he did. And, you know, he was only 46 years old, extremely young. Uh, He was a father. He was a husband. And those are the things that matter most. And, you know, I, I, I had a chance to see him once and it was this last christmas actually uh, my first media day for christmas and then and i got a chance to see him and joker uh, interacting together a little bit so you know even for 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 those memories on my own you know that's the only memory i can speak to but i'm just even thankful that i got to see that and and the things that i've heard about him they all seem like he was just a, a quality person so um you know we just wanted to take a couple segments uh, to talk about him and his impact uh, we'll talk a little bit more hoops on the other side in segment three but Wanted to make sure that everybody that is connected to Decky and then Serbians at large and the NBA basketball community international, um, you know, we are all feeling and all mourning uh, the loss of Decky. And so we shout out to him and to his family and everybody else affected by it. But y'all, we'll be right back here in segment three. So, y'all. When you're ever trying to go somewhere, you're trying to go to a concert, you're trying to go to an event, to a venue, it can be really difficult to find good deals on tickets. Y'all, game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. You can go through the game time app. You can time last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. Easy to find them. You can see where you're going to sit, the cost, and then you can find better seats, better prices, all through the Game Time app. It's Game Time, the only ticketing app that gives you the complete peace of mind with your purchase. So make sure you take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On, L O C K E D O N, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We'll be right back here. Locked on nuggets. 
Y'all, we are here uh, for segment three, final segment here at Locked On Nuggets. My friend, Miroslav, the man himself, the legend himself, Miroslav. We got a chance to see some basketball uh, the other day. We've got Joker versus Embiid, Sixers versus Nuggets, Jamal Murray, Tyrese Maxey. We got a chance to see it all. The Nuggets lose 126 to 121. What are some of your even just initial takeaways that when you watch that game uh, and you saw the Nuggets kind of scrambling, playing all these different defenses and score with 78 to 78 at halftime. Yeah, I mean, you can point out the Nuggets not playing good, but good defense in a big chunk of, of game and having some bizarre uh, uh, rotation ideas, you know, uh, uh, doubling hard on Embiid, then leaving some, some really good shooters uh, wide open. That's that's not what they would do in in a playoff environment for right. sure. I at least I hope so. But Miroslav, uh, they're, they're doubling Embiid at the top of the key. Tyreek yeah. Maxey's five feet away. Yeah, he's just like here. Take it. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was losing my mind. Yeah, I, I I hope they were trolling. I hope they wanted to to give the false you know sense of security to to the Sixers because that that really was bad. Because on the other side, if you think about it, Nuggets had all, almost a perfect uh, offensive game against Philadelphia. Right. And that's actually what what frustrates me the most. If you think about the, the individual play of all the players in Nuggets rotation, almost all of them had great offensive uh, performances. I mean, you can point out that Jamal Murray lost his legs in the fourth quarter, had some some nasty turnovers. And that, uh, of course, contributed to a loss. But outside of that, Jamal was really good for the first three mm-hmm. quarters. Nikola had a great game, even though he he didn't have a lot of assists. Some of that was, uh, you know, missed shots. But some of that was actually great defensive plan from from Philadelphia. They wanted to make him not a passer but a hockey passer. They were they were rotating hard on his passes mm-hmm. as well. Not only not only. Uh, you know, uh, doubling him. So that was, a, I think, a really good game plan from their side. But Michael Porter hit some really good shots, had some really, really, really good offensive uh, uh, possessions. KCP was g- good on, on defense, at least, you know, uh, uh, solo defense or, or uh, individual defense. Uh, it's, it's really hard to find uh, a hole in Denver Nuggets' offense, but on the other side, the defense was pretty awful and you cannot have that kind of bad defense against, uh, and I have to say, against an elite team like like Philadelphia is this season. Yeah, yeah, it was so interesting. First quarter, I think it was like a like I said, like a one seventy two offensive rating, and they were barely winning the game. I was just like, yo, this is, yo, I'm watching y'all. Like Embiid had a step back uh, off the baseline with a shot over Joker. I was like, all right, cool. You know, that's a great shot for Embiid. You know, he got the ball mid range. Embiid made three three-pointers. So this is how I know. I knew I knew once Embiid made his first three-pointer, I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This this is going to be a, a jump-shooting game. He made six jumpers, I think, in the first quarter. And I was he just had, like – He had 30 points outside of the paint. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, I understand the strategy, you know, make Embiid hit his – outside shots and sometimes he won't because his right. numbers are not actually that great from the outside he's not an elite three-point shooter it just happened right. to really 
uh, shoot really well against Denver. But it reminded me of a game Jokic had against uh, Giannis in Belgrade uh, uh, a couple of summers ago on the World Cup uh, qualifiers when he was like, okay, I'm going to let Giannis shoot as many trees as he wants mm-hmm. and I won't let him get into the into the paint. And the same thing happened. Giannis had 40 points. Greece did right. lose that game because that was a good strategy, but it almost backfired on, on Team Serbia back then. Because, you know, if you yeah. let... Uh, it's not a subpar shooter, but not an elite shooter uh, shoot whatever he wants. He'll get into a rhythm at some point. So I, I hope next time we, we see them play, and that's in, in a week, uh, that uh, Denver will be willing to give some different looks to to uh, Joel well, Embiid look, and think, the rest of the Philadelphia team. I think the person that was MVP for Philly uh, was Tobias Harris. Yeah. Missed two shots. Yeah. Two. Was getting to the rim, finishing in transition. He was shooting over Christian Brown. He was tough, tough, contested mid-range shots. And him staggering with Maxi when Embiid was off. And for if that's the thing. If, if Tobias can do that consistently – Oh, they can they can make a finals run to the finals. I'm not saying they'll beat everybody on the way, but I think if Tobias plays like that, then it's another story. But I think in a regular season setting, I think what the Nuggets did are, is fine. I think in the playoffs is where the, the – can I think this is the thing I saw in the game. So Joker shot two threes, but they weren't in-process threes. They were both rush threes, and one of them was a corner three. That he just wasn't in the process of doing that. Joker wasn't shooting the ball a lot. What's so funny, Miroslav, is that he ended up being, I think, 11 of 20. But I think six of those misses were like putbacks. And then he would get the rebound, and he had 11 offensive rebounds. And also, he had had several, you know, consecutive misses at the end when the game was already over. He was trying to push them back. And yeah, he he had a really great uh, efficiency-wide game game there. I, I agree. A lot of 11 offensive rebounds. Come on, man. 11 offensive yeah. rebounds. <laughs> now, that's what I'll say. I think Jokic was trying really hard to dominate the board because once the Sixers played with them beat off, like, it just gave them left wiggle room on the board because now Jokic, if you got Tobias Harris on him, well, boom, boom, get out the way, get under the rim, and Embiid can't see him, so Embiid can't, like, time the jump to get up there with Joker. So I actually really liked how both teams played. I th- I was impressed with how Embiid played. I think Maxi was funny. It's like... He wasn't as efficient as he normally is. But again, if they don't get back to wide open three-pointer, then I think the story is a little bit different. And Batoon, he's been doing this all year, but that that shot he had when B threw it across the court and Maxi caught it high and finished high. I was just like, I, I knew as soon as he got the ball, such a ball, get your hands up. He's gonna shoot it right in there. So I am actually really excited to see that game in Denver, you know, if everybody is obviously available and healthy. Um, but quickly, what do you think about the game versus the Celtics in Boston? The Nuggets haven't won at Boston in a minute. And remember, Jokic, when he had Faku on the court, had 43 there. But, you know, Faku played like 17 straight minutes to kind of got iced out the rest of the game. Last year, it was November 22nd. I think it was like November 2022. Jamal just got back from injury. What do you expect to see tomorrow versus Boston? Do you think this is a game the Nuggets can win? And if you had a score prediction, what do you think it might be? Well, Jamal have a history of great games against against Boston. We we all remember that that game when the when Kyrie threw yeah. threw the ball uh, out of bounds uh, after he was pissed because Jamal wanted to go for fifty, and 
I, I don't know. I mean, you know that Denver Nuggets go go the way Jamal Murray goes. If he has a great game, it's really hard for anybody to to beat him because you know Nikola is so consistent. And we've seen some really really good uh, games from from uh, Michael Porter recently. Yeah. I actually hope that they will use the first quarter to to uh, enforce Aaron Gordon on them because I don't want Aaron Gordon to be iced out, you know, as a non-shooter and and used as a weapon against Denver Nuggets. I really hope they will they will involve uh, Aaron Gordon so much that uh, that uh, first of all I I hope that they will make Boston play big and not five out as much. Yeah. You know, because I think they're the most dangerous. I feel they're the most dangerous when they're playing without Al, Al Horford, Horford on the court, but but so we'll Drew, see. Derek, Jason, Jalen, and Kristoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's a great five. I mean Al right. Horford, Horford is a great player, but their their offense and their you know uh, um, uh, transition game is just just amazing when they have right. you know five guys that can all reliably shoot threes. It's 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 a tough it's a tough opponent. I'm I'm kind of a downer here. I don't expect the Nuggets to win against Boston. I'm preparing right. myself for them not winning there and of course silently hoping they they actually will so that will make my my pleasure pleasure double. But uh do, do you think that Boston is the biggest favorite out east this year? Yeah, but I keep telling people, bro, I just did a show with Jason Temp yesterday, bro. <laughs> if the Heat are healthy, you're not going to convince me that they're just going to go away. That's the thing. Like they're going to be great in the half court. Their defense is going to be set. They're going to be locked into what they're supposed to do. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes. They're going to have shooters. If Hero, Duncan, and Jaime are healthy around Bam and Jimmy, and then they got Haywood, Heisman, Bench, Kyle Lowry, and Kevin Love, and Caleb Martin, that's nine players. I know they're going to give you their best. I'm sorry, Miroslav. I I think there's a world in which, say the Heat are like the seven seed because they just you know they're playing around in the regular season, and then the Bucks with no defense is to suit the two seed. I can absolutely see a scenario. Where <laughs> they, they, in that matchup. they could murder them. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I, that's a great take. I actually agree with that. I actually think that Miami can can sneak up on everybody. Nobody's talking about Miami being a right. powerhouse out east right now. There are like four teams everybody thinks uh, that are better than than Miami, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them in the finals again. And that right. would be the funniest story ever. <laughs> to <laughs> me. Back, I would love that. Back-to-back finals for Jennifer <laughs> and Miami. <laughs> Wait, so let me ask you this before we go. If we haven't actually talked about this, who do you think is the biggest threat if the Nuggets are going to go on another championship run, who's the biggest threat in the West for them? I want to say Minnesota. I want to give them the, their flowers. They have a really, really good matchup against Denver. They can they can uh, put a lot of pressure both on Nikola and on Jamal, which is yeah. really important for, for any team to have a chance against the Nuggets. I just don't think they have their hearts broken enough Already to go all the way to the to the to the NBA Finals, I I, I don't want to say I don't, I'm not scared of anybody. The Clippers look really good, and they have a yeah. lot of big bodies uh, as well. Although uh, Zubats 
he has a pretty serious injury yeah. that will take him off the court for like four weeks or something like that. That's, no, at that's least because he reevaluated in four weeks. Oh yeah, that's right. It might be right. longer. So that's that's tough for them. He is their best uh, big man. So I don't know, man. It's it's kind of I I feel like the West is more has more parity than even last year, and. I, I actually don't think the Nuggets are as as big of a favorite uh, in the West like they were uh, they were last year. But that might change. That might change. They might uh, sp- uh, string a, a ten game series when we see all the all the powers of them, and then we'll say, right. okay, okay, we don't care about April. Just give us the playoffs and and let the the games begin. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. And Miroslav, we'll definitely have to talk again, y'all. But um, you know. Uh, Miroslav, thank you so much for for coming on today to do this episode and, and talking about Decky and and being willing to share. Um, it's really important, I think, for people to hear those stories. And you know, if we're going to hold on to his memories uh, for you know, obviously as long as we're doing this. And so, uh, truly, shout out, obviously, to, to you and thank you so much to, to Serbia and to what you all have contributed to the basketball community and that's even the legacy that Decky obviously was able to carry. And so, that's going to be it. Uh, for Locked On Nuggets, y'all, Matt and I will be here tomorrow to talk about that Boston Celtics-Denver Nuggets preview. Uh, make sure y'all like, share, and subscribe. We're continuing to build up the Locked On Nuggets community, and we will see y'all on the other side.